Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. You know, being away for several days uh, on vacation, it uh, just gives you an opportunity to be refreshed and restored and uh, just re-engaged. And I, I, I've told some already that, you know, just being away uh, for the holidays, uh, for vacation, uh, it gets to the point where I was ready to come home and say, man, I'm ready to go back to work. There's things that, that we need to get done. In fact, uh, I just want to say thank you to the whole team uh, that just made it possible for us to get away. I've shared with many that, again, this is the first time in 20-some years that my family and I have actually been able to get away for a holiday season, whether that be, uh, you know, July, uh, 4th of July, Memorial or Labor Day, those kind of things. And so we've never done that. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to get away. Then also, you saw Mr. Chuck. He just did a dynamic message. Uh, and so therefore, you also know the quality of the ministry that takes place in our young people's lives, that he's loving on them, pouring into them. And also, Tim is doing the same thing. And so again, wonderful potential and wonderful talent and just anointings that are here. And so uh, just so glad to be back in church. Amen. Well, hey, listen, again, want to welcome those that are online. Just so glad to have our extended church family. In fact, there might be some watching right now that are from the church family, but they're on vacation sitting around the campfire or the breakfast table right now partaking of church with us. So we just want to say welcome. At, <clears throat> excuse me. As I said, we just got back from vacation yesterday, and we were up in the Silver Lake area that's up by Ludington, and it's the Silver Lake Dunes. And so uh, this is the second year that we've been up there. We've really enjoyed the area. Uh, we actually had the intention to take up my truck, and therefore we were going to do the dunes and go buzzing around on the dunes and then just, you know, gas prices and just all the headache of taking two vehicles. We decided not to. Well, so then one of the things that we have done the last time that we were up there is down on Lake Michigan, there's some dunes areas and there's a lighthouse and there's a lot of people that will go down by the lighthouse and watch the sunset. So this one particular night, the family and I, we go down to where the lighthouse is. We're sitting on the rocks watching the sunset come down. And then there's a gentleman and his family that come in and he sits down and starts talking to me. And as we start talking, come to find out he lives in Grand Blank. And so we started up this conversation, and it was just real enjoyable. And he's got his wife and his, uh, uh, I think, teenage children, or maybe they're in their early 20s. And so he asked me the question. He says, are you guys going out on the dunes, or have you done it yet? And I said, no. I said, you know, we talked about it, but, you know, I didn't bring my truck. And he says, well, 
what do you have? And I says, well, we're driving the wife's Yukon. And he says, well, if you've got a Yukon, he says, that four-wheel drive? I said, yeah. He said, well, you can go out there on the dunes. He says, I've got a Hummer. And he says, I get out there. And he said, no problem at all. He said, you got four-wheel drive? He said, it's all about the air pressure. If you'll lower the air pressure to about 15 pounds of pressure, he said, you can get anywhere out there. And so I'm like, really? He says, oh, man. He says, you'll enjoy it. He said, it's like a club. He said, these are people that when they get out there, he said, it's like a whole world of its own. In fact, when you get out there, it's dunes and sand for miles, for as far as the eye can see. And, and he said, you'll get up there. He said, there's people that are racing. There's people that are flying off the dunes, people that are going up the dunes. He said, you can just sit back and watch the crazies. He said, it is an amazing time. He says, take a lunch. He said, make a day of it. He says, you will love it. And I said, really? And he says, now listen, he says, I want to tell you. He said, now, when you get out there in the dunes, he says, you can get anywhere. He said, remember, I told you, it's all in the air pressure of your tires. He said, you might find yourself getting into a place where you kind of start spinning. He said, don't panic, don't worry. He said, just back up and start moving forward again. He said, even on the big hills, the big dunes, he says, you can go up those. He says, in fact, if you get up towards the top and you start to lose traction, he says, all you got to do is back up. He says, just back up and do it again. And he says, and, you know, give it a little bit more and you'll get up to the top. So we're like, all right. So we go up there. We get our ORV stickers and do the tire, tire pressure and so we're enjoying it. And just as he said, it is crazy. I mean, literally, probably at least 2,000 vehicles. We were up there on the actual day of 4th of July. People everywhere, motorcycles, four-wheelers, Jeeps, four-wheel drives, dune buggies. I mean, you name it, it's up there. They're racing, flying over the dunes. It was just a crazy day. And so we're just parking, going, and looking, and observing, and enjoying the day. And finally, we start venturing out on our own. And so we start following people where the paths are, and then we start venturing off in different places. And sure enough, we started going up this one little hill, and we started losing our traction. And then we started spinning. And so I stopped. Now, here was a good opportunity to get worried. Here was a good opportunity to start panicking. And I was tempted I didn't say anything to my family, but I'm like, <laughs> we've never done this before. And we're losing traction, and, and there's really not anybody over here, and people are flying by, and, you know, there's not really what appears to be a whole lot of help. So I simply started backing up, backing up, and got to a place where it was a little flatter, and I took off, and we got our bearings and started moving again. And then we got to a place to where now the last part before we head out, we have to go up this very large dune. It is very big. And my wife says to me, she says, are you going up that? I'm like, we have to. Now, once again, I'm driving her vehicle. She's not saying a word, but I can feel it. Man, you know what I'm talking I can feel the tension over there. Like, you are doing this to my vehicle. And so we start going up the dune, and we get three-quarters of the way. And if you've got one of those new vehicles, and I didn't even think about it at the time, we got three-quarters of the way, and that stupid traction control thing kicks in. You know what I'm talking about? We get up three quarters of the hill, and this is a big dune, and it bogs down, down, down shifts into the gear, and and like, dear God, we are like on this huge dune. So we backed it up. I took off the traction control, 
And we let it rip again, and we got up to the top, and we just had a good time. And we enjoyed the day, and we never got stuck. And so our message this morning is called, Don't Worry, Be Happy. But you could also give it a subtitle, and that is, is Don't Get Stuck in the Quicksand. All right? Now, I use that story as an example because, as I said, there was the times where we started slipping and losing traction, and I didn't continue to barrel forward to where we dug a rut and to where we got buried into the sand. In fact, the fact of the matter is, is that God provided a way of escape because He says He always provides a way of escape when you come under trials and circumstances. And therefore, all I did when I found myself getting stuck in the sand, having an opportunity to get worried and panicked, I simply remembered what he said. You see, God spoke to us beforehand. He used a man to do it, but he imparted wisdom to us and said, if you get into a place of where you start losing traction or you feel like you can't go forward anymore, he said, all you got to do is back up and start over. Don't worry, just have fun. And so this morning, as you have opportunities to get into worry, to get into panic, as all of us have the temptation to do, we always have to go back and to remember what he said. Say it with me. I'm going to remember what he said. We can't get stuck, but for many of us, we take vacations to the place called Worryville. Has anybody ever gone to Worryville? Some of you went to Warrifield and camped out long enough, you became the mayor of the town. <laughs> but listen, we, we, we can't camp out at Worryville. We have to begin to understand that there's a place of rest and to remember what God has spoken to us. Once again, when it comes to this life, there are paths in which we are following. Just as we're out on the dunes, as we're traveling where others have gone, there is places where the sand is packed down to where the travel is easy. And therefore, there's things in our lives, times in our lives, relationships that we have, where there's been a path that has been laid before us to where there is easy travel, even though it is shifting sand. But then there's also times where there are ruts in that place of journey. And if we're not careful, there's a very good chance that you'll slip into the ruts. Have you ever been on a muddy road? Maybe for you hunter men where you're going back in the two track and there's a place where there's a mud hole and there's the big trenches and you're like, man, I don't want to get into there. And you're trying to avoid the, the trenches or the ruts and before you know it, you slip back in there and so you've got to put down the gas pedal and kind of just hammer through it to try to get through the mud puddle, right? And so once again, we have to identify where we're at in our life or the, 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 the circumstances that we're experiencing. Am I going through the trials or the circumstances of life and experiencing the freedoms of knowing the wisdom of that which has gone before it for me or remembering what he said or have I allowed myself to slip into the rut of worry and once again if you allow yourself to slip into that rut you'll find that the quicksand is very hard to get out of amen so let's not get stuck in the quicksand all right so if we remember what God has said to us we said that 
or actually Jesus, he said this. He says, don't worry about nothing. Jesus, the head of the church, the one that's came to be the example for us, in Matthew's gospel, he says, don't worry about nothing. Or don't worry about no thing. And then there's another scripture that says, cast all your cares on the Lord because he affectionately cares for us. That word cast means, it's a strong word, and it means to throw as violently and as hard as you can to get it away from you. So God says, don't worry about nothing. Cast all of your cares upon the Lord because he cares about you. But once in a while, we think it's the responsible thing to do. We, you know, somebody's got to worry about this thing. If I don't worry, who is? Right? Don't we oftentimes think that worry is the responsible? I got to worry about my kids. You know, obviously they're going to school in just a really difficult, crazy world. I got to worry about the in-laws. I got to worry about the, the health situation. I got to worry about the job. I got to worry about the bills. I've got to worry about this. I got to worry about that. And it's just responsible to worry. But Jesus said, do not worry about anything. So if we're worrying about something, then we're not doing what Jesus, the head of the church, has told us to do, right? And so we've got a purpose to find out how is it that I don't worry about anything. I want to bring your attention to a portion of Scripture. I'm going to take just a a couple minutes to read this. But in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25... Jesus is addressing us, the people of God. He says, therefore I say to you, don't or do not worry about your life. Everybody say one. He says, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit of his stature? So notice what it says here. It says that God takes care of the birds, takes care of creation, and not one of God's creation, not one of God's birds gets stuck in the quicksand of worry because God takes care of them. And he says, how much more special, precious are you than they? Now, he goes on to say in verse 28, so why do you worry about your clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the fields, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. Say number two. He says a second time, therefore, do not worry, saying. So did you notice that whenever you're worrying, your mouth begins to engage and begins to start talking? He says, don't worry, saying, well, what shall we eat? 
And what shall we drink? Or what are we, we going to wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Verse 32. Pay attention to that because we're going to come back to that in just a moment. He says in verse 32. He says the Gentiles are those that don't know God. Ask the kind of questions that you're asking. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Uh, how are we going to survive? What are we going to drink? He says, all these things that the people that don't know God, they ask these kind of questions. He says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 34. Therefore, do not worry. Say number three. This is the third time in just a portion of Scripture that he's addressing. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So once again, Jesus says three times, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about how you're going to be taken care of. He says, don't worry about anything. Don't even worry about tomorrow. So why do we worry? Notice he asked the question here in verse 28. He says, so why do you worry? I mean, you know how good God is. So why do you worry? Isn't that a legitimate question? Why do you and I worry, people of God, people that call ourselves Christians, people that come to church, people that hear the Word of God preached, and people that are reading the Word, people that are praying? How is it that we fall into a place of worry? How is it that we so easily get caught in the quicksand of worry? Well, he addresses some things here. In Matthew 6, he says this. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. That's one way not to worry. He said, but why do you worry? Prior to this portion of scripture that we just read, he addresses several things leading up to him saying, don't worry. And the things that he addresses gives way to worry in our lives. And so we're going to look at those things. Now, let me just address this or forewarn you up front. Just as we talked about the sand, how it can get into a place where it seems like it's heavy and it seems like it's hard. Listen, I'm going to share some things with you in the next couple of minutes that might seem heavy. And it's not my intent to share this for the sake of being heavy, but actually I'm going to share with you what Jesus shared. And so therefore, it's not a matter of being heavy or a heavy message this is simply repeating what jesus said to help us understand why we oftentimes worry are you ready to know all right glad you're glad you're willing to know all right so we began reading in matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 25 but if you go back to the very beginning of chapter 6 now again we won't take the time to read all this whole chapter But but once again, he begins to list out several things. So we could say it this way. Jesus begins to say, don't be like this. Don't be like this, because if you'll be like this, it will cause you to be a person of worry. 
The first thing that he says, he says, don't be like the person that does charitable deeds or tries to do good things. And when you're doing good things, thinking that you're scoring points with God. Well, God, I'm doing these things. And so therefore, the Bible says, Jesus says, you get praise from people. And therefore, what it does is it helps you keep score, thinking that you'll get God's attention. But Jesus says there's actually no reward. He said there's no reward. So in other words, your works or your deeds of good things, they might be good things. They might be charitable and notable and good and worthy. But he says that in your good deeds, he says, it does not move God to reward. And so therefore, because you're doing good things to get God's attention, it causes worry to creep in because you're saying, God, don't you see me? God, don't you see what I'm doing? I've done this and I've done that. You know, the church even made mention of it. They, they appreciate what I did, God. And this person over here, they appreciated what I did. But God, how come I'm not seeing the results that I'm, I'm wanting to see? And because, God, it don't feel like you see me, I start to get into a place of where I'm worrying or carrying the worries, the cares of, of life. <clears throat> Amen? Number two, he says, don't be like this individual. Don't be like the individual that prays aloud or prays to be seen and to be heard. He said, in other words, don't be the person that just goes through the religious activities and the actions that make you look like a Christian. He said, because if all you do is go through the, the routine, he says, there's no reward. And therefore, because you lack genuine fellowship... You lack divine results. Let me say that again. Because you lack genuine fellowship, you lack divine results. And so what happens? He says this individual, because they pray to be seen and heard, and because there's no reward, the Bible says that they begin to start praying, and their prayers are repetitive, and they're saying the same thing over and over and over, and their prayers become repetitive in their words in which you're asking God, well, why do you keep on repeating and keep asking for the same thing with no result? It's because now I'm getting worried. I'm asking God to do something, and God, don't you hear me? But because I'm not doing it with the right heart, I'm starting to see that the results of my prayers are not getting answered. And so, God, I'm going to ask you more. I'm going to ask you louder because I'm worried about what I'm experiencing in my life. Number three, he says, don't be like the individual that fasts. He says, you fast and you make it known. Or we could say it this way, you're actually doing ministry things. He says, when you fast, he says, don't disfigure your face so that people understand or know that you're fasting. So in other words, we could say it this way. Don't live a life where you're trying to serve God or do things for God and disfigure your face to say, oh man, I'm telling you what, brother, I'm just working so hard for the church. I'm just doing so many things for God. And man, it just seems like I'm not getting appreciated, but man, I am just making a sacrifice for God. And he says, and when you do that, 
He said, your motives are wrong. And he said, once again, there is no reward. Now, recall what I said to you. This isn't me saying this. This is what Jesus said preceding him saying, don't worry about anything. So once again, when it comes to living life, if my motives are wrong in what I'm doing, you might be faithful in the church, but just being faithful doesn't mean that you have a faithful heart. And that means that if you don't have a faithful heart or your motives are right in what you're doing, even though it's in the house of God, even though it might be for God or in the name of God, it opens the door to worry. Number four, Jesus says this. He says, don't be like the individual that only thinks temporary, that only thinks from a natural standpoint to where you're not able to be generous and therefore you're always worried about money. Don't be the kind of individual that tries to get all you can and can all that you get. He actually says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in other words, Jesus said this. He said, when it comes to your money, he said, it is a true revealer of the heart. How many of us find ourselves fretting or worrying over money? It's the number one thing that people fret over in life. It's money, right? And he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let's just put the rubber on the road. Let's, let's be real. If we looked at your bank account, your heart would re be revealed. I know many of us don't write checks anymore, but we, if we can look at your checkbook ledger, we would find or discover your heart. Hello? Because where your treasure is, is where your heart is. And so if you're unable to give or be generous in your giving into the work of God, what does it do? It causes the door of worry to be opened when it comes to the area of your finances. Right? And once again, I could go around the room and say, have you ever worried about money? And I believe every person would say, yeah, there's been times that I've worried. And did you realize that it's roughly only 6% of the body of Christ that actually gives so doesn't it stand to reason that there is a whole lot of worry going on in the body of Christ because my heart isn't connected to the genuine heart of God. And he goes on to say this. He says, you can't serve two masters. He says, you can't serve two masters. He says, you can't serve God and mammon. The word mammon is the spirit of riches. Or the spirit of wealth. So there is a God side and then there's a devilish side. Does that make sense? And so you can trust God in the area of your finances or your giving. Or you can be manipulated or moved in the area of your finances to live for yourself. Now, in this, all that I've shared with you when he says don't be this kind of individual... Because if you'll become this kind of individual, he says, it will cause you to open the door to worry. Well, why is that? Well, now, in this portion of Scripture, there is a chain reference Scripture, if you will, that was tagged right onto the end of this portion where it talks about 
the giving, or talks about not serving God and mammon. And it's a reference that refers to or is referred to in James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now, I said to you that the sand is going to get a little boggy right now. So you've got to hear this because we've got to identify where the church is, where we want to be as individuals, where if we've allowed the door of worry to be opened and living a life of worry, we can make a choice right now, right today, and say, God, no more worry in my household. No more worry in my family. No more worry in my finances. No more worry in my marriage. I'm living carefree, casting all my cares. And it's simply identifying what opens the door. So in James chapter 4, starting in verse 1, notice what it says here. It says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the desires for pleasure that war in your members? Now, recall this. Remember he said this in Matthew's gospel. He said, I know what you have need of. And these are the things that the Gentiles or those that don't have a relationship with God seek. Remember that? So that correlates right with what we're talking about. He says again, for the pleasure of the war in your members. Verse 2, it says, you lust and do not have. You murder and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses. He's speaking to the church. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you yearns jealously? Did you see what the Bible says? He said, God said to us, if you love the world or the things of the world, he calls you an adulterer or an adulteress. Now, I said to you that this is going to be a little heavy to begin with. There's good news to come because we said, don't worry, be happy. But now, in the body of Christ or in church, we seem to have skated away from addressing strong gospel for the sake of not offending people or not addressing people and uh, worrying about whether they'll stay or whether they'll go. But do you realize that the book of James is written to the church? And do you not think that there was young people in the church just recently saved people in the church, people that had been in church for a long time. So therefore, he's addressing, he says, listen to me. If you love the world or the things of the world, you're an enemy of God. So what does that mean? That means that if you've been in this church for a number of years and you're still longing and lusting after the things of the world, you're not in a good place with God right now. And you wonder why worry has consumed life so much so. It's because the door has been opened, right? He says, listen, I want you to come to a place where you come back in good place with me so therefore you can shut the door to worry. And notice what he says at the very end. 
he says, Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, The spirit who dwells in you yearns jealously. So in other words, don't worry. Be happy. Why? Because now in verse 6 it says this, He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What's he saying? He says, there's the Spirit of God that's living on the inside of you. And something in you is compelling you to desire and have a relationship with God. Yes, there might be a pull of the world this way, a pull of the world this way. But he says, as you grow in God, there is something in you that compels you to desire to know Him, walk with Him, and have fellowship with Him. And he says, in in addition to that, he says, I will give you grace. The word grace is the empowerment to do what you can't do by yourself. So if we humble ourselves, God, I've allowed myself to be enticed and tempted and to be... uh, uh, lured away by the desires of the world. God, I desire to have fellowship with you. He says that there is a humility in coming to Him and He gives us grace or empowerment to come into fellowship with Him and it closes the door to worry. Amen. Now you say, well, why does that cause worry? Because if you're not in a good position or place with God, even though the Scripture says you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus... There will be a sin consciousness or awareness that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do or I'm not walking with God where I'm supposed to be. So therefore, I'm constantly concerned. God, do you see me? God, do you hear me? God, I'm trying to go through the motions to get you to do something. But God, I'm worried because I don't see what I want to see. And God says, it's a result of your relationship and fellowship with me. Close the door of worry and come in and receive my grace. To walk with me in a whole nother place. Amen. Now once again. Jesus would not say all these things. And leave us on the cliff with no answer. He goes on to say this. He says so why do you worry? He answered the question. Why worry has such a hold on our life? Because we've allowed ourselves to desire other things. But then he goes on and he says this. He says, now, don't worry about anything. If he's going to tell me don't worry, then he better give me the answer. Amen. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, that's great. I've been hearing the preacher say that for the last several years. Just seek God and everything will be okay. But how do I seek God? Does Jesus not address that? He certainly does. He gives us the answer of how to seek God first. And it's back up in what we looked at. How do we seek first the kingdom of God? I have to remember what he said. Every single one of us are going to be tempted to worry. You're going to be tempted to get stuck in the quicksand of life and when you're tempted to worry when you're tempted to say God have I done enough remember what he said because he's given us wisdom for a way of escape he's given us wisdom and instruction before we ever encountered it so that we don't get stuck in the quicksand so how did Jesus answer it he answered it in Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 9 he says in this manner Therefore pray, 
And if you know this, this is what we call the Lord's Prayer. But he was not saying, pray this prayer verbatim as some have gotten in the custom of doing. He said, this prayer is an example or a layout of how you have fellowship with me. He goes on to say there, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? Come and worship me. Develop a life of worship and praise to me. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What am I purposing to do? God, I'm worshiping you. I'm focusing on you. And therefore, God, I'm seeking your will. Remember it says that we get enticed by the things of the world? Well, why do we get into worry? Because we're not pursuing the will of God. If we'll pursue the will of God, it will close the door to worry. Because I know I'm in the will of God. Oh yeah, there might be challenges and struggles and, and, and things that I'm dealing with. But because I'm remembering what he said, because I know that I'm in the will of God, I don't have to worry. Because there has been made a way of escape for right here. I just got to remember and do what he said. Amen. He continues on in verse 11. He says, give us this day our daily bread. So therefore, I have to look to him to meet my needs. You see, we have lived our lives concerning the areas of finances and saying, God, I've made this money. It's up to me to take care of myself. And if I don't do it, who's going to do it? So who's got any money left over to be generous or give to the church? Because, you know, I got all these responsibilities and I'm worried about it. And so therefore, I got to do what I got to do. But you realize that if God was not the God in who he said he was going to be, that he would supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, Philippians 4.19, that God would have to change his name. Because his name is Jehovah Jireh, the God that sees ahead and provides. The provision is already there as the moment we get on the path and seek his face and pursue him, the provision and the supply is made. If God is not that kind of God, he's got to change his name. Woo! That's enough to pass the bucket right there, praise the Lord. All right, amen. Verse 12. He says, and now forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So what does that mean? I'm purposing to stay right in my heart towards God. I'm purposing to stay right in a good place. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then he wraps it up in this is the icing on the cake of the instruction of what he said. In fact, over in Mark 11, 23, 24, it's capsulized in verse 25. He says, if anybody's got all against you, he said, forgive. He says, if you don't forgive, he says, God will not answer your prayers. He says here in verse 14, he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will God forgive yours. Amen. So the key, the number one caveat to walking worry-free is to say, God, I'm going to pursue a worship fellowship relationship with you. I'm going to purpose to, to uh, 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 what's the second one? Uh, uh, desire to walk in your will. He said, I'm looking to meet, uh, for you to meet my needs. I'm looking to have a convicted heart or a, a, a heart that's right with you. But lastly, he says, I purpose to be a man or a woman that will forgive. 
if you choose to walk and live a life of forgiveness towards others, you will shut the door to worry. Because what is the root cause of worry? It's fear and condemnation. Guilt and shame. And so when you choose not to forgive, you're not sure where you stand with God. You might not know it, realize it, but that is the root cause of worry. I don't know if God's going to bail me out. Why? Because there's something in your heart that says, well, I didn't forgive like I should have. Has God forgiven me? So, to shut the door, to get out of the quicksand of rut, the, 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 the rut of quicksand or getting stuck in the sand is to walk in love and choose to forgive. Let's stand together. I said that there's a happy ending to all this. He says, don't worry, be happy. You said you talked a lot about what Jesus said don't be like. Well, if he don't tell you what to not be like, then you don't know what you ought not look like. Right? But then he goes on to say, now this is what you ought to do. This is what it looks like to walk with me. To live a life carefree and worry-free. And this is what you ought to do. And so, just as our message says, don't worry, be happy. We're just stepping into and just getting our toes wet right now as to how we're going to live a happy life. I'm going to walk as best as I can to be like Jesus. And I'm going to endeavor to be the man of God that I've been called to be. A husband, a father, a pastor. I'm telling you what, it's not easy, is it? I said it's not easy. You know, we went away on vacation. And it gives you a good opportunity for reflection, doesn't it? My wife and I, we were talking, and my wife says, you know, this is what I desire for our vacation to look like. We're going to have a good reset moment with our family and just blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we had the intention on doing devotions every day. We, we only did devotion a few days. I think maybe two days. Well, it's an intentional thing that you must do. But I'm being honest with you that even on our vacation, we got lazy. It's easy to slip into a rut. But if you identify it, God will give me the grace. God help me be the man, the father, the husband, the pastor. Because God, I want to be a blaze on fire for you. So that people will follow, that people will come, on, come unglued and get on fire for Jesus. Because of my walk with him. Amen. So listen. This summer, we're getting happy. Worry's out the door. We're free. Good days are ahead. Revival's hitting. The fire of God's coming back to the house of God. People are getting, coming to a place of fellowship, walking together, living life together. It's happening. Amen? So you might as well just come on and be a part of it. And be happy. Don't worry. Amen? With every head bowed and every eyes closed, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share the word. For everyone that's here in this auditorium, for everyone that's watching online, I pray right now that worry has to bow its knee to the power of the living God. We thank you, God, that you have empowered and graced us to walk with you. 
And that this is a day that we make the choice moving forward. We don't live our Christianity from Sunday to Sunday or from month to month. But it's going to be a daily, weekly walk with you. And God, you're going to help us do it. God, I thank you for the passion and the fire coming back to the house of God. And I thank you that we won't worry and we choose to be happy. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.